0: SVOD providers have begun to realize subscriptions alone are not enough. Services like Curiosity Street, Netflix, and Disney Plus are looking to Avod and Fast Linear to boost revenue. Listen on to find out how
1: and hello and welcome to this week's edition of Inside the stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and that was Con Dixon from End Screen Media there at the top as always and hello there Con, how are you doing?
0: Uh, great Will, I'm excited this week because we're entering the final week of the Premier League so I'm doing the dance where I bounce between Peacock and and some linear channels to make sure I catch all the games. Uh, boy, this sports market is pretty darn fragmented, I can tell you. Uh, but it's boy, is it ever exciting this week?
1: And amazingly, you are not following your local Golden State Warriors at all, as they uh, are in the conference final.
0: Well, it's a peripherally. I'm not. I'm certainly not following the games. It's not basketball. Is not a big interest of mine, but. Uh, Uh, Soccer most certainly is, Uh, but we have some pretty interesting stories this week we're going to talk about.
1: We do, and I believe that you are going to get us started.
0: I am, and uh, the interesting story for me this week was that, I mean, it doesn't sound that important, but I think it's very indicative of what's going on in the market, and that is that Hisense has revealed its first TV set to integrate Amazon Fire TV now amazon fire tv has been in the business of licensing to television manufacturers uh, for a couple of years now and they don't have many wins so this is a pretty big win for them and i think it's going to be very helpful for them alexa the alexa ai assistant would of course be included and that gives people who buy this tv obviously direct access to things like Amazon Prime Video and Freebie, which is uh, the renamed IMDB TV. Uh, So this is all to the good. The TV itself is a mid-range device, 530 bucks for a 58 inch model, and there'll be a bigger one later this year for 600. Uh, So I think it's a pretty good move for them. Uh, for Amazon, that is. But the real reason I wanted to highlight it, Will, is I think it's really, uh, it really shows that the television manufacturers are refusing to tie their success in smart TV to a single vendor. Hisense is a great example. They launched their television line originally with Roku and they have a ton of Roku-powered TV sets in the market at CES 2022 they announced four new models or four new model lines and all of them were powered by Android TV with Google TV and now they're launching they're launching an Amazon Fire TV set and this sort of flies in the face of what we've been hearing from Roku CEO Anthony Wood he seems to believe that the TV platform market will coalesce into two platforms uh, like the smart TV market did, you know, it sort of coalesced around iOS and Android TV, and he's expecting the TV market to do that. I don't see it. It's getting more fragmented. It's not getting less fragmented. Uh, what do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think certainly, as you said, the mobile smartphone market really did come down to two OSs, but it doesn't seem like there's any evidence yet that we're consolidating. So. You know, as long as there are companies that want to be providing OSs, then I think we're going to have OSs. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. And, you know, of course, this new new Comcast yeah. Charter JV is going after this business as well. So, yeah, there are lots of competition. But anyway, yeah. what caught your eye this week?
1: Yeah, so on a completely different topic, um, YouTube had its annual Brandcast presentation this week. Um, it was the 11th annual and it had always been done as part of the annual new fronts um, presentations. But this year, YouTube shifted the timing to be part of the upfronts, And I think that is a clear sign from YouTube and Google that they're prioritizing TV oriented advertisers as opposed to digital advertisers. And um, YouTube, of course, has said, I think for at least I don't know if they've updated this number for a year now, but 135 million monthly users of Connect, of their content on connected TV devices. But they have backed away for the most part from originals. And that was really, for many years, the centerpiece of their Brandcast presentation. Um, so this year, there was very little in the way of originals. They're still doing it in two uh, areas, Black Voices and YouTube Kids. Um, but primarily they have uh, closed down their originals. But one thing that they did highlight this year, which I think is um, evidence of how YouTube is broadening its monetization from primarily advertising to also be driven by commerce, they uh, announced a feature that's going to be coming later this year where they'll essentially enable a uh, live stream for uh for shopping they'll enable a uh content provider to uh or creator to be able to activate a live shopping stream and uh that i think is going to be very popular for a lot of the creators who of course have very close relationships with a lot of different brands Um, and so that live stream then can link over to the brand's youtube channel and and basically you know enable seamless e-commerce uh, so that that caught my eye, Colin. I think it's, um, you know, another example of how YouTube, as I say, is broadening its monetization.
0: Yeah, I love it, too. It's sort of the evolution of the home shopping network.
1: <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
0: laughs> much more personal. Yeah. Uh, now it's being brought to you by your favorite creator. You, and uh, I think that's a, that's a really strong model for them. They That will resonate, I think, well with both viewers and with uh, with creators, as you say.
1: I think so. Uh, So those were a couple of the news items that we caught this week, and speaking of broadening monetization, we'll just kind of move over to our main story, which has a few different points of evidence, but you're going to talk about what's happening in the SVOD world and how uh, players are broadening their monetization.
0: Yeah, I am, Will. And the the thing that's interesting here is, um, and I've actually got a white paper coming out on this probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and that is that I think SVOD providers are beginning to realize that having a one-dimensional monetization model and distribution model is not serving them well. That they really need, to, they can monetize their, their catalogs much better by taking a multi-distribution approach. And one of the things I have really been expecting to happen this year has just begun to happen and that is that SVOD providers are beginning to launch uh, channels in fast services. So a great example of that is a couple of months ago, CuriosityStream, which uh, has a very, very strong, I think a very, very, very strong offering in the owned and operated space launched a, a channel on LG channels in partner partnership with LG called Now Free and this is a virtual linear channel it's programmed just like a regular TV channel and in their latest earnings call the company said that they plan on doubling down on this approach they're um, they're, they're going to create uh, a lot of new channels and it's it's a perfect match for them I think because they have channels on history, on science, and natural 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 science, natural history, so that they can create, I think, a lot of spins on virtual linear, and this will, I think, really help better monetize the content that they have sitting in their in in their libraries. So I think when we, if you went and asked. Uh, the average SVOD provider, they'll probably tell you that 90% of the viewing is delivered by 10 or 15% of the content in their libraries. And what that basically means is 85, 90% of that library is really not doing very much. And I just think this is a superb way of doing two things, right? It's deriving new revenue through advertising, through fast channels. And it's also building funnel, provided, of course, that they get branding and it's uh, very clear what's happening. And, uh, you know, this, this sort of approach, I think, can really be helpful in broadening the monetization for SVOD services going forward. So I, as I say, Will, I'm expecting a lot of services to, to start to do this.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a smart strategy and just picking up on your <clears throat> your second point there about building a funnel. Um, I, I mean, if content can serve as to be monetized on its own, um, but also serve essentially as a, mar- a marketing tactic for driving subscriptions, then that seems like a double win. And, you know, to your point, if the content is kind of laying around, not really getting much use, and there's a new way to package it up and offer it in a compelling way as a fast channel to um, interested viewers, then it seems like it's, I mean, it almost seems like it's a no-brainer, doesn't it?
0: It, it does to me. And there's another reason why I think it's a really good idea, Will, particularly for building the funnel. Visio, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of three weeks ago, they announced a new feature called Jump Ads. And what these are, they're just ads that can be run at the end of a show on broadcast television that tell the viewer that there are more episodes of this show or more shows like this in uh, in an SVOD service that's running on that television, that's available on that television. So why do I think this is important? If they follow through with the same approach, on their watch free service, their virtual linear service, and um, and there's every indication that they that they probably will. Then there's a direct. You can create a direct link. Somebody watching that channel, in a fast service, can get a little cue at the end of the show that hey, there's a ton more content like this, or there's more episodes like like this available. They just grab their remote, click, and away they go. They can they can sample that in the app and, and sign up if they like. So I think it's a great funnel builder. I'm expecting this Jump Ads feature to roll out in multiple platforms. I was actually talking with Mike Lee from LG, and he was telling me it's already available in WebOS, that that, that facility is already available in WebOS. So um, I expect it to show up in pretty much all of the TV platforms. And what a way of building your funnel, right? A direct connection from a fast linear channel to your SVOD service.
1: I hear you. I think it makes a lot of sense. So, um, so you wanted to talk about the topic of SVOD uh, services broadening their monetization. Curiosity Stream is a great example, but not the only example, right?
0: Right, and this this really gets to. Um, some, some, I think some struggles that the SVOD industry is having right now. It's all well and good building a, a big subscription uh, a basis for your business as, as a company like Netflix has done. But the problem is you get to a point, and I think Netflix is at that point right now, where everybody that wants the service under the current terms has it. And look, everybody knows Netflix now, everybody knows what it costs, everybody knows the deal, and everybody knows that the content the content is available. So if you want Netflix, you've already got it, right? So what that means for a company like Netflix to continue to grow is they have to come up with a different deal and change the equation a little bit to bring people who've so far sat on the fence and not not decided to subscribe, to go ahead and and sign up. And so for them, doing an ad-supported tier makes a tremendous amount of sense because it changes that equation. And uh, there are some risks, and the risks are that they cannibalize existing subscribers. So existing subscribers switch to the ad-supported tier and they aren't able to make up for the difference in the reduction in subscriber revenue with the advertising revenue. Um, but but that is really under their control. They you know how, it's how you price that discount uh, and and you know what sort of uh, what sort of CPMs you're getting for the advertising that you're running in your service. And the indications are pretty good from, say, Hulu, which is running a dual-service model, which has very, very stable and relatively high average revenue per unit. It's been sat at, I think, between 12 and $13 for the last year or so. Uh, so I think, I think there is a way of getting stability there. But, you know, I, I, I think that for a really mature service like Netflix, it's pretty much the only way that they can get growth. Um, and, it, and it does the beautiful thing. Of broadening the way they earn revenue, and that gives them, I think, a more stable revenue base. They aren't quite so vulnerable to people cancelling. Instead of cancelling now, they can switch to a cheaper ad-supported um, ad-supported tier and keep watching the service.
1: I, I agree with that also, Colin. The um, and obviously we've I think we've talked about Netflix and ad-supported in this podcast n- numerous times. Uh, there's no argument against it from my point of view. Uh, and you know we know from Hulu their experience is that they get more people uh, subscribing to their ad supported version than from their ad free version. Um, I think we know that also for uh, from Viacom CB or now Paramount uh, that that's been their um, example as well. so, yeah, I think there's only upside and and with all that brand safe content, the likelihood that they'll make it up or more the difference between the ad-free and ad-supported versions. So uh, no issue there. There was also a little bit of news this week or maybe more rumor than news that um, Netflix may actually be looking at a live streaming service as well. Um, that would be obviously a big deviation from the on-demand only um way that they've delivered content for all these years so live streaming um would be brand new there was uh, talk maybe about reality um it you know live streaming being focused on reality um you kind of have to wonder if sports becomes part of the mix as well if they're moving into live streaming
0: right and i i think this makes a lot of sense as well will um, you know, a, a, a few years ago, I interviewed a guy called Roy Sekoff, who was actually at the time running Huffington Post, and they were just launching live news and live chat. And he said, you know, there's nothing like live for driving engagement. And I think this this could be so helpful to Netflix. Having live makes uh, you know it reinvents appointment TV. If a lot of people are watching with advertising, then it's a great way of monetizing, you know, monetizing those live events as well. Because uh, you know, with lots of people watching at once, you've got a captive audience, and so I think I think there's a lot of reasons for them to want to do that. the The only hesitation I have with Netflix is I'm I'm not sure their tech stack supports this. In fact, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. And since Netflix built its own tech stack, and uh, until very recently was saying things like, we will never do advertising and we will never do live. I have a feeling that that tech stack is probably, that probably doesn't have support for live and ads today. And it could be quite difficult for them to add it. I know there was, they're talking about maybe getting the ad supported version out by the end of the year, but maybe their tech platform will be a problem in doing that. I don't know.
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, and did you have one more I example did. on this front of broadening, broadening S five monetization? I did, and
0: and uh, I think this has been mentioned on the podcast as well. Well, and I'm sure our readers are aware that Disney Plus is going to be introducing an ad supported tier, and they're sort of dribbling out what that might look like in bits, uh, bit by bit so far. And uh, that we heard this week that they say that it's going to have an extremely low ad load. They say four minutes of ads per hour. And that kid's content will have zero ads. They won't run ads during the kid's shows. So, um, so that's that's one thing. They're also swearing off things like, you know, they won't advertise um, hard hard liquor, cigarettes, stuff like that. So they're putting some pretty tight bounds around the advertising that they plan to run, and I think this is really interesting. This is a really interesting equation that Disney Plus is going to have to figure out here, will, because they're a relatively cheap service, eight bucks a month, seven ninety nine, I think it is now, and that gives them that doesn't give them much leeway on how much they're going to cost. And now they're restricting the ads to four minutes an hour how much of a discount will they actually be able to offer when they introduce this tier? And i got a feeling it's only going to be a couple of bucks um, because at four minutes per hour, uh, that's not a lot of ads to recoup the loss in subscription revenue. And there's another challenge for Disney World. And that is, I've been looking at Nielsen's The Gauge and it basically shows each of the top streaming services share of view ctv view time and disney plus is much lower its view time is much lower like half of a service like hulu uh, with about the same number of subscribers and much much lower than netflix uh, and youtube incidentally on on ctvs so what that tells me is the people that are subscribed right now they're subscribing, they're watching quality content, but they're just not watching very long, and that's a problem, right? If you're relying on advertising, you need people to be watching for as long as possible. So I think there are some real challenges for Disney and Disney Plus with this advertising, uh, advertising-supported tier. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I it's 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 a pretty I think it's pretty clear how, how Netflix will benefit from this. I'm not so sure about Disney Plus. They're they're very confident that they'll make up the difference. And some um, I saw Christine McCarthy was uh, the, the CFO was very confident uh, that um, Disney Plus would make up the difference. But uh, I'm not so sure they need that viewing time to increase.
1: I think it's a fair point, Colin. But you know, again, let's keep in mind that they have a front row seat to how advertising works in CTV with their Hulu experience. So my guess is that they're you know pretty on top of figuring out how they're going to make a success of it for Disney Plus. But of course, time will tell. Um, it's going to be it's going to be new terrain for them, and and we'll have to see.
0: Well, I think I. So, so, yeah, I certainly accept that will. And the other thing I would accept is that they have a platform and the experience with ads that is much more advanced than Netflix. So Netflix will be a near fire at this, at this, I think. But in order to get that viewing time up, they need more sort of regular content and they need a greater content flow coming into the service. They're certainly committed a lot more revenue to making content for the service. But uh, they need a, I think they need a lot more bread and butter content in there to get people going in there on a regular basis and just putting it on when they've got an idle moment instead of coming in there for the tentpole series like uh, like all the Marvel content and Star Wars, etc. They need they need more bread and butter content, I think, in the service.
1: Well, we'll keep an eye on it. I think uh, that might be about it for this week for time, unless you had anything else uh, further to add.
0: Nope, that's all I got this week, Will.
1: Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for listening in this week on Inside the Stream, and we will see you all again next week.
0: Inside the Stream is a production of In Screen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.